0: Welcome to the EdTech Podcast, brought to you by MarketScale. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. The 2017 League of Legends final clocked in at around 60 million unique viewers. For reference, the much-awaited 2018 NBA Finals this year were watched by an average of 18 million people per game, and those are great numbers, defying a trend of viewership plunges in professional sports over the last decade. Esports aren't breaking through into the mainstream, they are already there. The captive audience is waiting for more professional-level, high-stakes content, and the education world is responding. On today's EdTech Podcast, we're joined by Elliot Levin, Distinguished Technologist and Director of Education at HP. Levin knows that universities and even high schools are beginning to develop programs for esports, and while the demand is there, creating a curriculum for new sports is a daunting task. He joins us to dive into some of these big questions why educational institutions are jumping on the esports wave, and how HP is empowering esports professionals on a technological and cultural front. Elliot, how are you doing today?
1: Doing good, Daniel. Thanks for having me back. Hope that everything's been well.
0: Yeah, thank you. Everything has been well. And, uh, you know, it's great to have you on for a second episode. I loved our first topic, and now I'm ready to dive into our second topic, which is eSports and how the education world is latching on to this growing and budding trend. It's, It's a really exciting time. Elliot, would you call yourself a gamer per se, or uh, an esports professional?
1: You know, if you call Pitfall Harry an eSport, I, I, yes, yes, I do. Uh, for those who are Atari Twenty Six Hundred fans, although I got my start on ColecoVision, which I thought was much more true to form. Uh, no, no I, I don't have the time or or the energy these days to try some of these games. And usually, I'm like, you know out in a matter of seconds when i do
0: no i i understand that pain uh you know it's been tough for me to latch on to some of these newer games like fortnite i don't think i could keep up but i do like playing my old games uh you know i think what i've found is so interesting is even some of those old games have professional leagues around them so i'm sure if you looked really hard you could find someone who's looking to play you on pitfall for a trophy Well,
1: that's good because, you know, back in the day, if you could actually last the full 20 minutes of the game and you got to score over 32,000 points, you were supposed to get like this little iron on uh, badge that you could wear on your shirt. And I sent in the photo of my screen. I got like 60-something thousand points. And to this day, Atari still hasn't sent me my badge.
0: Well, what the heck's going on there? We got to call Atari and get (laughs) them to deliver. I mean, what the heck? Exactly. You know, it's
1: only been 30-something years. What's the problem?
0: Right. Exactly. Exactly. Well, hey, Elliot, I'm excited to dive into this main topic, and I think we should just jump in. Um, before we get into how HP is helping empower students both technologically and culturally to get into esports, I'd like to know just the growth of esports. What have you seen from your position as to how esports has grown in popularity and why do you think that is?
1: At HP, we're always looking at what we call megatrends. You know, we want to recognize you know, things that are going to be long-term changes in the way we interact versus just the fad of the day and when we take those and we add into the impact of generation z not the millennials but really that next generation that's going to account for more than 25 percent of the u.s population by 2020 their needs their interests really go and have a greater impact not just on technology but really everyday life and You know, for me, the aha moment was when you start to look at some of the statistics out there. You know, League of Legends, their 2017 championship game, had 27 million people watch at some point. And you look at game seven of the 2017 World Series, and it was 23 million. The NBA Finals, 18 million. So this is something that people are growing interest in It's more relevant to them. And the more we embrace that, the more we're able to have that impact. And certainly the Omen by HP brand has really taken advantage of that need for improved gaming experiences. This isn't something you just do on any old computer. You need technology that was really designed from the ground up for that sort of gaming experience. And now, whether it's universities, high schools, or the individual consumer, they're looking for that gaming console. And Omen has done a tremendous uh, effort in the last year or two to really be that brand of choice for those professional gamers.
0: You know, I think often the conversation around gaming. I think it has changed as of late, especially since esports is rising in prominence, but I think just even on an interpersonal level between um, you know, gamers and their parents, or gamers and teachers, or gamers and even other friends, often the idea of spending a lot of time just playing a video game is thought of as a waste of time, or something that is distracting from other more important goals, and it's interesting to see that narrative shift. And it, it's interesting to see esports become something that you almost want to encourage people that show an interest in gaming. It's like, well, you should try and put these talents to good use and get into esports. It's it's a great transition.
1: It is, and you know, it's a cultural thing. Still, I sat at a conference of university leaders uh, just this past summer, and one of the keynote speakers was a vice president of a university who launched an esports program, started speaking about the uh, scholarships they offer. And it was interesting that one of the people in the audience, a fellow administrator from another college said, wait a minute, you mean my child who has been sitting in the basement for the last three years isn't just down there wasting their time, they're practicing for possible scholarship? Okay. You know, so yeah, yes, what we may have not you know, considered to be a waste of time actually is very viable and really part of what might be the next culture of our peers.
0: Right. And it it's just validating to see that not only people might be getting a scholarship out of it or, um, you know, go to school for something like this, but that there's an audience for it. You know, it isn't niche. The fact that you are getting millions and millions of viewers on these finals for some of the biggest games it's validating, and it gives the whole industry and the whole platform um, just so much more respect. It's it's cool to see that people are getting into something that people want to see, right? It's not just it's not just something that you do on the side. It's it's your life. It becomes your career.
1: Right. I mean, th- th- this isn't like traditional what we would refer to as gamification, learning, or anything like that. Right. Because the last thing you ever want to tell. Uh, someone is, you know, when they're playing a game, having fun, you don't want to tell them that they're learning. Cause no, 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 <laughs> that's not going right. to work. That's a surefire way to get anything to be shot down. But in action, when you look at the results of what an individual does, when they go through these gaming experiences, especially when they do these long um, drawn out tournaments, there is skill sets that they are picking up their ability to communicate, to adapt, to think critically, are really enforced. And those are the sorts of skills that we're looking for in the job force. So above everything else, this at the very foremost is giving us some of those interpersonal skills that are most critical that you can't get from just reading a textbook.
0: Yeah, it's it's incredible. So walk me through a bit of how high school's and universities and colleges are adapting to this rise in esports. Um, you know, how are these students being impacted by esports, and how are uh, institutions of education trying to adapt to give them more options?
1: Sure, I mean, so there's that academic value that I was just talking about, but beyond that, a lot of colleges, you know, they support successful programs in the sports because a, it's going to drive media attention. B, it helps attract and recruit students, and it helps drive revenue both from media branding as well as alumni. And if you look at the average age of traditional sports, um, that age is much higher than esports. So, the best way to attract today's Generation Z prospective students or to get alumni interest uh, amongst your recent graduates is by focusing on this esports area because it is a sport that is more relevant to them. So given that appeal, universities really see this. It, it's an opportunity to fulfill an area of high interest among future customers. And what they're also finding is that you know schools with mature programs, they're finding a large portion of their athletes are actually majoring in fields like computer science, programming, cybersecurity. And having increased enrollment in these programs with those improved revenue targets are just some of the reasons that more and more schools, seemingly by the month, are now launching esports programs in their colleges and universities. And now we're getting the similar requests from high schools that see the ability to create that relevance, give something that students are interested in, and help them see a path to really expand um, their studies, especially in the STEM subject areas, all the way into college and their future
0: careers. It's pretty incredible the way the narrative around gaming is shifting. I went to the University of Missouri, and we have a um, liberal arts college nearby in Columbia, Missouri, called uh, Stevens. And Stevens has an esports program that actually made some rounds and it's just interesting to see this growth in that culture and it's it's really exciting especially from the scholarship perspective i mean how how would you create an academic scholarship around esports are you actually seeing universities give students say like, all right we're going to give you this x amount of tuition to come to our school to play said game
1: yeah and in fact in some universities the amount of scholarship they are giving to some of their esports players is at the same exact level as somebody who is on their football team or their basketball team. So clearly universities are seeing that a this is not only helping with the revenue perspective. It's helping draw and attract that high caliber student. The other thing that's really fascinating about it is this is also helping to break down some of the very gender barriers that we're facing in STEM careers. All too often, women do not pursue careers in STEM because of gender bias that they get at a very young age. Honestly, by the age a child turns 10, they've already got perceptions about what sort of careers they should do based on their gender. And that's something we have to break. And with currently one third of gamers being women, and we think in the next couple of years, it's actually going to be more 50-50... It gives that role model for younger students that again is going to help colleges draw and recruit in more female students to pursue STEM degrees, even if they're not personally interested in gaming.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, creating any culture where you are giving students more role models and getting more visibility around fields like this, you know, I, I think oftentimes what happens is you don't get. A lot of media visibility or even just, I mean, literal, like you just don't see big leaders come through and and create uh, a culture that students want to get into for these fields. And so finding ways to connect with... A younger, budding generation, and getting them excited about these fields is what a lot of industries are realizing they have to adapt to. But it almost feels intuitive and just part of expanding esports. It it's going to be a natural growth to find leaders, empower them, and then get more high schoolers, more college students excited about these fields. Yeah, and, and the
1: other great thing is that you're seeing a number of schools; they're not just spending money for the sake of spending money. They're already, in a matter of just a few short years, seeing a return on their investment. They're seeing enrollment increases. They're seeing greater interest in the program. And you know, you look at the organizations out there that are launching these programs, particularly in universities. And there's over eighty colleges now doing it, and they're giving away more than nine million dollars in esports scholarships. And they've got over fifteen hundred athletes at this point. And, you know, it's only a matter of time before the next incarnation of a March Madness or whatever the equivalent is going to be, isn't going to be around basketball or some ball-related sport. It's going to be around League of Legends or Fortnite.
0: Yeah. And let me tell you, I am going to eat that content right up. <laughs> I love I, I love brackets. They get me excited. And boy, I would just, I would love to see... Something with that heavy of a cultural significance, but around something like a video game, I mean, it's it's incredible. So, what I want to know next is how does HP fit into this whole expanding narrative? You know, how is a computer company finding ways to empower? And get more students, more young aficionados in front of eSports, and you know, getting them to understand that it's a viable career path.
1: Sure. We're doing it two front. We have to do it on the products, but also on the people side. And you know, for Omen, what we have been doing is really going full in knee deep to really understand um, the needs of a gamer in a gaming situation. Best viewing angle, best processing. How do we give them an experience and at the same time give them a product that they're proud to use? And the latest incarnation of the Omen systems have been incredibly popular. We have a number of universities, even high schools around the country, now wanting to place orders for devices that were originally meant for individual gamers to buy and have in their homes. On the people side, you know we realize that this is something that has to continue to evolve. Games can no longer just be played in your dorm room or in your parents' basement. This is something that is really gaining more momentum. And that's where I think you can see a lot of possibilities. You know, for example, bringing more women to the front and center, uh, our team in HP Canada signed on a, a five-time championship gamer uh, Stephanie Harvey, and she is the face for HP Canada in the gaming world. And there's a real backstory there because not only do we have an accomplished athlete, but we have somebody who has been a target of online verbal abuse, sexual harassment for being a woman in esports. And she was one of the first players to really help break down those barriers. She's been an outspoken advocate and being able to have her recognized is just one of the things we're trying to do to really make this more of an inclusive community.
0: I love that. I love that HP isn't just trying to get in on the technology side, which of course, I mean, producing the kind of quality of computers that HP does – Getting into the esports space feels natural, but then you know, d- buckling down and deciding to get in there on the cultural side of things, on the social side of things, and and not only educating but empowering—that's really important as well. Um, and it's it's great to see coming from such a staple company. Oh, thank you.
1: And, You know, it's it's among the things we're trying to do right now. We're trying to work with a number of universities that are just starting to learn. And get interested in esports, you know. You look at that one organization that's currently out there; uh, it, it's called NACE, um, and it's the National Association of College Esports. They're they're helping universities really address these needs of esports programs, and you know what started as barely a handful of schools just a year or two ago is now up to 80, 90 schools, it'll probably be at 100 universities by the end of this year, and it's only gonna continue to grow. And the problem is most schools just lack personnel who are really experienced in how to set up, organize, and manage the life cycle of an esports program they don't even know necessarily where it belongs does it go in student services does it go in the athletic program does the athletic director of the university even understand esports have they ever even seen esports does it make sense to them these are the sorts of things we're trying to help do as well so that this can become really a thriving um really opportunity for students all around not just in traditional gaming but all the other areas of related complementary solutions that really can impact teaching and learning. You know, as gaming gets more mainstream, we're going to be looking at broadcast students being able to really give um, commentary and play-by-plays of these, journalism students, marketing, branding, um, fashion design, you name it. There's every opportunity across so many different college majors can embrace this a uh, new opportunity for them. It's just there for the picking, and they have to be open to ex- be explored to it.
0: I mean, I would have loved taking a class on, you know, diving into ways to report on esports uh, when I was going through school. I mean, it's it's incredible that it's getting to that level. And I think it just presents a unique challenge in that esports is taking off at such a breakneck speed now that, you know, colleges and universities and even high schools have to adapt quickly. But there is that gap in who do we turn to for information on how to set this up? You know, how how do we get – educators that you know teach this you know how how do you find an esports teacher or an esports coach how do those even get trained right it's it's like there's a huge demand and now it's readjusting all the different components of getting it into the right department getting the right educators then marketing it right getting people excited about it it's an exciting challenge like I, i don't think anyone should be opposed to the challenge but It is challenging, um, but but it's an exciting one.
1: It is, and there's a lot of just day-to-day questions that institutions are going to have to ask themselves. One of the most fundamental, and I'll share two, but the most fundamental is, what do you do about all those tournament prizes? You know, universities are so accustomed to thinking themselves as collegiate athletics. You don't give an athlete one penny. The problem with esports is, those competitors are normally accustomed to competing for cash prizes. So how do you take somebody who has been earning cash money since the age of 13 and 14, now you're going to tell them in an esports program, oh, you're not going to earn that money anymore. They may not necessarily do it. So what we've seen some of the uh, universities do is look at different models on how they might share some of those cash prizes. So, you know, for example, if there was... A five-person team competing in a tournament, the university acts as a sixth player, and if there is any cash prizes, they they split it six even ways, and the university share just simply goes back into funding the esports program, and that's very helpful.
0: Well, it's it's interesting because yeah, no, that I mean that is just perpetuating getting that money back into the program. I could see that, but you know, it's also interesting because. These players and these esports professionals have been succeeding and making it into the industry without any educational programs, without any sort of collegiate structure. And so it's going to be interesting to see how universities fit into the mix. You know, what are they going to be able to bring ...that is unique to the space that, you know, an esports professional might just, you know, just say, okay, I'm going to do this on my own because everyone else has. There's no need for me to go to college for this, right? Like, how will, how will having a degree in it or how will going through and, and competing on the collegiate level you know take you to the next level. It's, uh, it's going to be interesting to map out programs that actually bring benefit and then you know students will flock to wanting to participate.
1: Yeah and the interesting thing to note is how many of the students involved in gaming and some of the best gamers don't just merely want to consume content like that. They want to explore careers in the computer sciences because they want to create their own content as well. And where I think we're going to see in the next couple of years, universities are going to be addressing, we're going to have to see them first. They're going to have to stop thinking of technology as something they buy and then get rid of after, let's say, four or five years. Gamers are very accustomed to having their technology constantly evolving. And you buy the best gaming machine today. Well, that graphics capability may need to be improved in just as little as 12 to 18 months. And to not have that puts you at a distinct disadvantage. We're also going to go from playing in dorm rooms to playing in um, group playing centers to really creating esports arenas where the players are kind of taking center stage and there's an audience watching on large displays and really cheering them on. Um, I don't know if it'll be the size of some of the basketball stadiums out there. It certainly could be. And I can tell you, I I think I can really be excited about seeing that happen in the next couple of years.
0: Yeah, it's an exciting future. I mean, I, the way that things are moving so quickly, I could see I could see a future where we've got people just casually attending esports matches in the way that they might you know, catch their university's basketball game on a Tuesday night. Instead, it's like, all right, plan for the night. We're going to go watch our university's eSports League play Fortnite. And that just becomes part of the the social fabric of that university's community. It's, it's really exciting to see the different ways that it's going to impact um, everything from high schoolers to college students. So the last thing that I wanted to touch on is just sort of A broader question, looking at the future of eSports, you know, if if you had to kind of tie everything together in one more note, how do you see eSports continuing to grow on this high school and collegiate level? And how do you think the students themselves are going to play a pivotal role in keeping it around and keeping it sustainable? Oh,
1: wow. You know, there's so (laughs) many big (laughs) questions. I know there's so many possibilities at this point. And What I found so refreshing is, you know, we are now having high schools uh, approaching us at HP saying, look, we want to put in the same sort of Omen gaming stations that you're putting into universities because we feel this is going to give our students that leg up against the competition when they're trying to apply off for colleges. So, I mean, that's certainly something that's really got me intrigued because how many high school students are there? That really currently feel disconnected completely with the learning experience that they're getting in their secondary schools. And could this be one of those ways to really reignite that flame in the student, find that personal passion, and be able to make regular learning more relevant to them? So, I mean, for me, that's one of the big areas. And second, I think as we start to see this become more mainstream, and honestly, I just I don't believe this as a fad whatsoever. But I think more departments across the university setting are going to need to embrace esports as another opportunity to really expand their curriculum and give much more real life practical skills to their students, and again, giving them that leg up. And that could be from business, um, arts and design, broadcast media finance, economics, almost every uh, topic could be embraced by it.
0: I mean, wow, it's it's definitely an exciting time to get into esports, either as a student or as a university or as a program. You know, finding the value in it, I think, is going to be easy. You've already explained it well. There's... Computers out there that are specifically made for this thanks to HP and other companies There is a culture around it. People are craving more of this content. They want more professionals. They want the Athletic rivalry around it. You know being able to go to a game being able to experience it on that cultural level I think is what's going to help continue to propel this to a real mainstream status If if it's not already right even more so but yeah, I'd like to thank you, Elliot, for coming on the podcast and giving us this insight into the evolution of esports, how it's making its way into the education world and how HP is helping, you know, be that starting hand for getting esports to that next level. So thanks again for coming on.
1: Thank you so much. And, you know, I'd be remiss if I don't mention, you know, one gentleman I happened to have the pleasure of meeting back in 2011. Uh, he's a former NBA star named Rick Fox. And a couple of years ago, when news broke that he had bought an esports team now known as Echo Fox, um, I was in a little bit of shock. I, I was like, "No esports, really? What, what was he thinking?" And here I am, years later. And you know, at the end of the day, it was a regular professional athlete who really saw the future potential here. So, you know, if professional athletes can really predict and see this sort of trend happening, then clearly this is something that is going to potentially be impacting mainstream athletics as we know it.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah, if, if you've got the people out there playing the games already looking at esports as something they'd like to invest their hard-earned money into, then yeah, of course, I, I, could, see, uh, I could see primetime television being not only watching you know, the, the Clippers, but watching whatever, Fortnite too on, on the other screen. It's uh, it's pretty incredible.
1: That works for me. Baseball yeah. on one, butts on the other, and uh, the right. Legends on the next. All the more reason that I need to put three TVs in my living room.
0: Right. I couldn't think of a better utopia. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you again, Elliot, for coming on the podcast. I really enjoyed our conversation.
1: Thanks, Daniel. Hope to talk to you again soon.
0: And thank you everyone for listening to today's episode. And if you'd like to find out more or listen to previous episodes, you can head to marketscale.com slash industries and subscribe to previous podcasts, articles, and video content from your favorite industries. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. Till next time.